Hello, this is Kathy Martirosian. And I'm Gary Cristofero, and this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here, we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? It's great to be back again. Always. Um, yeah. So excited about this topic because this is an important one to both of us. <laughs> yes, one that we've had many conversations about. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, um, we're going to be talking today, uh, for the audience, we're going to talk today about the Sabbath. And uh, some important questions about the Sabbath is how does the, does the Sabbath apply to Christian believers? And if so, why, how, when? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a lot of questions. And history has uh, just kind of slanted our perception, uh, hasn't it? Exactly. You know, I always like to tell the story that uh, one of my favorite shows I watch is Andy Griffith, and you, I know you've heard that. Mm. And um, so I'm watching one day, and they're coming out of a church, and everybody's shaking hands with the pastor, and they're all saying, Happy Sabbath. Mm. And I thought, well, isn't that strange, you know, to use that phrase? Because we don't really use the word Sabbath very much no, in our true. Western culture. Right. In America, we don't use it. But I was thought, okay, well, that was small town, uh, North Carolina town, 1960s, maybe. Yeah, it was late 50s, early 60s, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, so... So that was still on their radar back then. At least even yeah. say it. And I guess there was more of an understanding because things were all shut down on that day. So there was more of this idea of yeah. what keeping a Sabbath was. Yeah, when I, when I was growing up, everything was shut down on Sunday. Exactly. That yeah. dates you and me. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, so they're saying say, happy Sabbath. And so I'm thinking about it. And I also watch and I remember very specifically watching them sitting on the front porch doing nothing. And it was I felt a little envious. Mm. I was like, wow, look at that. They're just sitting there hanging out. Andy's playing the guitar. You know, they're they're just sitting and thinking about things. Now, Aunt B, she was back there working. Yeah, I could imagine she had no rest. <laughs> yeah, Aunt B was cooking and cleaning. But but anyway, it was that concept. And, you know, nothing was open and, mm-hmm. and, and there was nothing else to do. They, they went to church and that was it. So it, so I found that intriguing that that was depicted mm-hmm. in that show. Yeah, you know? and, and I didn't, hadn't seen that one. So that's, that's it's a good one. That it's, it's, one looking, it's a good one to look yeah. for. But, you know, so so let's think about them as, as Christians. Okay, they were coming out of the church and think, okay, so what do Christians know about the Sabbath? And I would think that most of what we know is straight from Exodus 20, mm. the Ten Commandments. Sure, sure. Okay. I mean, it's, well, yeah, I would think that's probably where people pay attention to it. We know, of course, that God, it was the first thing that he sanctified in all of Scripture, mm-hmm. going back to, to Genesis chapter 2. So I'm not sure everybody knows that. Probably not. Right. And so you're right. I think you, where people mo- put, take 
it, it, it catches their attention because of the what we call the Ten Commandments. Exactly. So, yeah. so they see the word Sabbath there. If it's up in a courthouse, which isn't happening so much anymore, sure, but uh, you know the, the depiction of them, it would it would have that word in mm-hmm. it. And you know the Exodus twenty says to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, and it, and it goes on. It says six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, your cattle, your stranger, who is within your gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it, consecrated it. Mm-hmm. So that's all in there in that, that commandment. Yeah. Okay. It's a long one. It is. They're not all long. Uh, <laughs> Thou shalt not murder is very short. Very short and very to the point. This this one has a little bit more instruction. It has a little more instructions about this idea of uh, you shall do no labor. And then, of course, everybody else is in your household, including your animals, mm. you know, shall do no labor. Now, we both have dogs. I've never seen them labor <laughs> at all. And I do not no, know where they, that. They've got it made. But I think this, this obviously is pointing to maybe the ox that we I think the, the ox that you know? the fields. I don't know where they got the phrase "works like a dog" because I've never seen a good my point. dog working. Great point. <laughs> but yes, the ox in the field yeah. or whoever was. But, but isn't working. that isn't that just a side note? Isn't that a beautiful thing? How even God even cares for for its create all of His creation. Mm-hmm even the animals, and that they deserve a break, too, from their hard labor. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so if you look at just starting with those those words, okay, mm-hmm. the, in the Ten Commandments, it really brings to mind some questions that we got to really think about, you know? And I'm thinking, first, are the Ten Commandments uh, of Exodus 20 for Christians today? You know, I think that deserves an answer right away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, you, well, you know, here, I'll, I'll answer it with a question. Would Jesus, of course, we like to call him by his Hebrew name, Yeshua, would Yeshua have contradicted anything that his father required? Of course not. Of course not. Right. So if Christians say they follow this same Yeshua or Jesus, and he would not have contradicted his father, then would not the commandments of the father still be appropriate for us today? Well, then, so you got to really think then why, you know, we, we, I think most Christians would not argue with that concept at all, right? right? I, I don't think placed they would. In that, in that placed context. in that context, yeah. okay? Um, but when we get specifically to this fourth commandment, I think there is pushback and mm-hmm. there is argument about it, about how that applies or if it applies or if Sunday qualifies or anything. But even before we get that, I really want to, I just want to remind the audience of something that I know was really profound for me. And it, 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 if you go back to the exodus out of Egypt, okay, God took his people and he redeemed them, mm. uh, saved them, okay, out mm-hmm. of Egypt, okay? Then he brings them to Mount Sinai and he gives them these the, the law, the Torah. Okay. Yeah. He 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 did it in that order. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he didn't give them Torah in Egypt and say, okay, you've got to uh, abide by this, and if you do it, then I'll bring you out. That's very true. You know, yeah, so he redeemed point. them, saved them out, and then gave them uh, mm-hmm. these 
obligation, so to speak, okay, however you want, then gave them the Torah. So I would say that following that pattern, and we always look for patterns, right, Mm -hmm. that all of the commandments, all the Torah, all the law is really for redeemed people. That's such a profound point. It really is. Because because of of people who do not, who have no relationship with God, these things are meaningless. Exactly. Exactly. They don't feel any obligation to keep them or any responsibility or love. You know, we love to use the term love response when it comes Mm -hmm. to keeping commandments. If you don't love God, if you don't know him, then what... What do these mean to you? Exactly. I, I don't think they do, and God understood that. I don't mm-hmm. think he necessarily expects that. I don't think mm-hmm. he expects that. I think the pattern is redemption, salvation first, and then how do we respond to that? Like you mm-hmm. said, that love response. I, I don't know how many times I, I, and you have too, explained to people that I don't keep the Torah, you know, to get saved. I, I keep it because I have been saved. That is, that is so, so true. Yeah. This Because it goes back, and I think we've touched on this in previous episodes, about this argument of legalism. Yeah. Legalism, you know, grace versus law. They're, they're, they're really... They're, they don't hold up. These are, these are false. These are straw man arguments. They do not hold up. There, there's no such thing. It's always been about grace. This is about what God did, uh, starting with Abraham, but now we have, we're moving forward because we're talking about the Exodus, what God did to redeem his people and then offers them this, this beautiful set of instruction on how to behave as children of God. I mean, this is a, a act of grace. This is an act of kindness and, and um, uh, you know... A gift. Absolutely. It is a gift. And I think that that is how historically the Jewish people have seen the mm, Torah. They cherish it. They absolutely. cherish it as yes. a gift to them, a special gift to them. And, um, I, and I would venture to say that, for the most part, uh, the Jewish people throughout history also understand the same concept that we have, that the Torah was given to them as a redeemed people, so to speak. They brought God brought them out of Egypt. He chose them specifically and gave this to them. I don't I don't believe that most of them are keeping Torah in order to be saved or redeemed. I don't think that that's how No, I've never it. I've never heard that out of one of my, any of my friends, you know, that are orthodox. But it's interesting because I think that that's why Christians often believe. They do believe that. Christians you know? do believe that that is why a Jewish person keeps these commandments, mm-hmm. thinking that they're earning their way to salvation. I've never heard an orthodox friend of mine claim that that be the case. They're doing it out of a love response. You know, I find that that whole concept very intriguing mm-hmm. and where did how did we get that idea so mm-hmm. to speak and i'm not we can't speak for every single jewish person or every single christian sure. person you know mm-hmm. i know that but i know that that's the general uh, idea that we have that's how we come up with that dichotomy it's law or grace right. you know that's how we get to that and i know i don't want to go too far off the topic mm-hmm. but that is what has caused so many christians to um, want to force so to speak, a, a, a Jewish person to give up on their cherished Torah, their commandments, their law, in, in, because of that dirty word, law, in, in Christian lexicon. And, you know, that would be like asking them to give up their entire 
their entire essence, their yes, being. Yes, their essence, their identity. Their identity. It's yes. like telling them that, you know, it, I, I've, I think I mentioned this before to you, but I, I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast. But the, the, the two things that a, a Jewish person in Israel fear the most nuclear annihilation from Iran and assimilation into Christianity, <laughs> you know, putting that, making that moral equivalence because it both mean the destruction of the Jewish state and the Jewish people, people right. because they look at Christianity as those who have rejected the law right. and they know that God has instructed them never to turn their back on the Torah. I mean, I'm using that word law for, because our Christian audience uses law, but it's instruction. It's the Torah, and it's cherished by them. It's cherished because it is God's teachings, God's gift to them. Mm -hmm. And then as he gives us that gift, they see this as kind of a privileged obligation, so to speak, to 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 obey. Mm -hmm. And that's how I see it, too, is this privileged obligation. I'm privileged because God chose to redeem me. It's a privilege and and a responsibility to be a light to the nations that this is what God instructed. This is how you behave as a child of God. Exactly, exactly. You know, we even have in our New Testaments, you know, in in, in John 14, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. <laughs> I don't see how that gets any clearer that right. it's the it's a love response. Yes. If you love me, that's why we say this is only for redeemed people mm-hmm. because the rest of the world doesn't love him. No, it's very true. It has to be for redeemed people and it only changes if you change what if you were to change in your mind what the commandments are. If you were to disregard these 10 words as they're known or the commandments, mm-hmm. the decalogue, however you want to label them, if you reject them as necessary for Christians and you and you come up with some a, a new idea of what commandments are, then I suppose you could, you know, you're really having to travel a long way from the original meaning exactly. in order to get there. But that that uh, is just, again, a false argument. I, I think so. So, I, you know, we're getting back to the idea that I think Christians would, generally speaking, say the commandments are for us, yes. and and but they do get tripped up on this one. Yes. You know, sometimes they get they get tripped up on the idea of what is Sabbath, when is Sabbath. You know, is worshiping on Sunday keeping the Sabbath? You know, um, can we pick any day to rest and worship? I think that comes up a lot. Is it legalistic to keep the Sabbath? Um, those are really important questions, you know. If we, we, even if we just look at this idea, do we do we keep the Sabbath by worshiping on Sunday? Um, we're going to speak. I know in just a minute. In just a minute, as as how the church changed this concept yes. of, of, of Sabbath. So from Sabbath to Sunday. Right, and I think that to begin to answer your questions, those are the things that are going to come up. Your original question, what about Sabbath command, or I don't know if you did ask this question, what about the Sabbath command specifically? Why does this trip us up? Did you just ask <laughs> yes, that? Yes. Why did it trip us up? Well, because one, because it was moved to Sunday, right. and we're going to, we're going to address that. Mm. I think two, because it requires a response. And see, this idea of cheap grace that we have no responsibility, there's another area we, we trip up. This requires a response. There's a requirement from f- that for his children on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And um, 
be it also, I think the other reason why people get tripped up is because this particular commandment, for some reason, not the others, gets clumped in with this idea that we're not under law, mm. quote, end quote. And um, so that legalism, legalism is the reason we do it. I'm just I'm thinking of the reasons, things that I've heard, You've heard exactly, over the years of why people get yeah, tripped up. And I think the, the final one I'll mention is this idea that keeping the Sabbath somehow puts us under these requirements that we see in rabbinic Judaism. And for example, and, and no disrespect to our, our Orthodox followers of Judaism, but when a Christian see, goes to Israel and they see that they can't push the elevator button on the Sabbath, they, they laugh and think mm-hmm. that's silly. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, there's these ideas about, you know, what it means to keep the Sabbath that I think are part of the reason why people get tripped up. I think you're exactly right. And I think the other biggie, and we talk about this a lot too, is that even though we have an understanding, for instance, of uh, being grafted into the olive tree of Israel. Amen. Okay, we've said that. Christians mm-hmm. Christians say that. They don't really think any further past that to know, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Okay, if I'm grafted in, you know, and it says some of the branches were broken off so that, that I, a wild olive, olive branch, can be, can be grafted in. So what are you getting grafted into? And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because... You know, I, I remember we, we did an event once and we brought someone who, who actually showed us grafting okay, yeah. on a tree. Yeah. All right. And, and then she explained to us exactly what happens once that, 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 that new graft is put in there, how it is now nourished from the roots of the original olive tree. Okay. It becomes one with that olive tree. And so, okay, that's a pretty. That's a that's an interesting thing to think through because there's been such a separation between yes, Christianity has. and Judaism as two very clear distinct things when okay the olive tree imagery doesn't speak to that. No, it doesn't. It changes everything and it also is another gift when you think about it. If you you've been to Israel, so mm-hmm. have I. Um, and I can remember even having a teachable moment on, on a tour bus. I had our driver stop when we were beside an, an olive grove and we saw a graft, a, a tree mm-hmm. right by the fence line that had been grafted. And I said, take a look at this soil. Look how hard and dry it is. Because, of course, in the summer, mm-hmm. no rain. And the soil is very dry and hard. Could you imagine taking that shoot and trying to stick it in the ground and getting it to grow? And even if you could get it in the ground to stand up, if you did have any rain come, it would just wash right out. There's nothing, it hasn't, it's not grounded. It's not, it doesn't have anything no roots. to hold it. Yeah. No roots to hold it, right? But when, as you just described, when you take that shoot and you attach it to an established tree with roots that go very, very deep, now you've got a good, healthy start. And this is what Christians mm. don't, they don't, in many cases, because they're not taught, don't appreciate the, 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 the great start that we've been given, the fact that we have roots that go all the way back 4,000 years to Abraham with that promise God made to him. And that puts us, we become part of something much bigger than we ever imagined when you first, in, like in my case, I'll, I'll speak for myself, when I was first born again, I had no idea what that meant. None. And I wish somebody had been there to tell me right from the beginning. And I plan at every chance I get to tell people right from yes. the beginning, yeah. this is what you come I, upon. I am, to- I am with you. Um, I, I don't, 
I, I believed I was saved. I, I, I believe I was saved at that point, but I knew nothing of the how and the why, what the, or what does this mean? Right. And what does it really mean? In fact, it took 20 plus years, mm-hmm. more than that, for me to start getting to see what does that exactly mean, right. you know? And what's interesting, in our in our New Testament, okay, as we call it, our, the Newer Testament, um, you know, we've got that idea in Romans, okay, about the olive tree. And in Ephesians, you know, uh, Paul says, this is, an, this is profound to me too. Ephesians 2, he goes, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, okay, that's us, mm-hmm. by birth, and called uncircumcised, okay, the Gentiles. Um, He said, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, and then an interesting phrase, excluded from citizenship in Israel. Mm -hmm. And more importantly even, (laughs) we get it, Mm -hmm. foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. So there's this idea that when you're separate from Israel, you are foreigners from the covenants of promise. Wait a minute, that's a covenant, the New Testament covenant. Why, wait, isn't I part of that? What, what does all does this mean? But then it goes on to say, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away from what? Israel. Right. Right? You were once far away from Israel, from all these covenant promises that had been brought near by the blood of Christ. So... You know, this idea that it's the blood of Christ brings us near to what and to whom? To to Israel and to all the covenants that are given. Because we've said before, the covenants were only given to Israel. That That is so true. And this is, this is so huge for, for us to understand. Galatians 3.29 says, If you are Christ, or if you belong to the Messiah, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You, we, that, that's that, why I said the root goes all the way to Abraham. We're outside of these covenant promises otherwise. Exactly. And, you know, this whole idea that we see these, these things in the New Testament, we've just quoted three New Testament, okay. Yes, these are uh, all verses, but they go back to the Old Testament. And one thing that I've, I always like enjoy teaching is about the idea of the law of the sojourner. And, and, and that's basically, it's talked about several times, but in Numbers 15, and it's basically saying that when someone decides they're going to sojourn, walk with Israel, follow Israel's God, mm-hmm. um, then it says that all of the, the Torah, all of the, 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 the laws, the ordinances become for them too. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it says, uh, it says in Numbers 15, there's to be one law and one ordinance for you and for the stranger who resides or walks with you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we are. We're the wild olive branch, though the, the stranger that says, "I'm going to now walk with Israel." Mm-hmm. Well, then clearly, right here, there's to be one law for both of us. Okay, right. it's not a separate. Okay, they get the law and we get grace mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. They both now apply to to us because we have chosen to follow Israel's God. Right. right. Amen. No, I, I think what, what you end up with as far as resistance to the things that you just said, somebody might be in our audience thinking right now, well, does this mean we have to start sacrificing animals mm-hmm. and we have to do all these things? Do you think God didn't know that the temple was going to be destroyed after mm-hmm. Jesus? You know, he even, Jesus himself he told us so. the temple yes. would be destroyed and not one stone would be left. 
So there are things that have uh, altered our ability. And of course, we're in countries outside of Israel. Mm-hmm. All of these things are factors in our ability to do all of the things that are once described in the Torah. But there, there is no excuse for not, for not, for, you know, we should be able to do all the things that we can do that within can our do. ability. I we, think that's a very, um, I don't know if that's Greek way of thinking, maybe so, that if we can't do all of them, then you should we do, do any, any of them? Of them? Yeah, right. I, I, I don't think that, that we would necessarily apply that in any other area right. of our life if we can't do everything. Yeah, you're you right. Know, we, we don't do nothing. Because, do you, again, you, where, where do you draw the line if, if now if you have to do away with the Ten Commandments, as we're, we call them, and mm-hmm. the Sabbath is in within those Ten Commandments, why are we going to continue to do nine and not... The, right. You know that one, right? Exactly. I mean, or or is or, you know the other argument, legalism. We are legalistic if you keep the, the the Sabbath. Well, is it legalistic to refrain from murder? No, it's in this and it's that it's in that same group of ten words or commandments as as they're called. Exactly, and I that's what I I, I hear that lots of times. I I even tell people I say it's like, okay. You, you're a citizen of, of, of America, of the state of Florida, and, you know, you abide by the laws of the state. We're in Florida, by the mm-hmm. laws of the state of Florida. And one of those laws is, you know, we got some speed limits. Mm-hmm. So is it legalistic to keep the speed limit? You know, that if we do that, is there... Um, uh, is, is that wrong in some way to keep right. that law that was given for us as being part of the state of Florida? I, right. I, I, can't, I don't think anybody would argue that, you know, there yeah. may plenty of us have gone over the oh, speed limit. Of course, <laughs> of course. Guilty <laughs> like as charged. Have, just like we have sinned <laughs> against the commandments. We all okay. fall short. <laughs> we all fall short. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think we would necessarily argue for it. I, I find it uh, uh, an interesting uh, to look at human responses of how much people want to argue again mm-hmm. against something, which when I step back, no, I, I'm not saying I always had this understanding. No, I, I didn't, you know. But but we find people work really really hard against this particular commandment yes. a lot. They work really really they hard. Really against, do. Yeah. I, I've heard the resistance over the years, and you really do have to twist and turn, and and it's just difficult to make this argument stick. In fact, it's impossible to make that argument stick that the Sabbath is not for us. I, I, I think. Impossible. I think so too. I think so too. You know, um, Exodus 31 says, I think, some very interesting things in it. It says, Tell the Israelites, Surely you must keep my Sabbaths, for this will be a sign between me and you for generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Keep the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Now, there's two points in there that we've talked about that I think are very interesting. The first is the sign. Mm. This is a sign. That's the sign of this particular covenant. Yes, it's a relationship. I think it's a sign of how this ties us with God, our God that we serve. I this one, this one always stirs me. I know we talked about this in our Torah study because Jewish people for centuries have been killed for their observance, you know, persecuted up to the point of, of death because of their observance, and they have held on regardless. There, there, there are those who knew 
during all all the years of, of the you know the Inquisition, during the, the pogroms, the Holocaust, they knew if they kept the Sabbath, they were risking being identified as as Jewish people. That was the sign. It was the sign. That was what and, they were and, told to look for. Exactly. The neighbors were told they to told, look the, for. They told the neighbors to rat out the people who were doing this, right? So they knew full well by doing this they could die or at the very minimum be be you know um, sent out of the country or persecuted but it was even up to death and yet they would keep it and that that just means so much to me because this is what when i was saying earlier about why christians stumble over this one is because there's a responsibility Mm -hmm. there's something that you have to do it sets you apart if you got you've got to be different especially when you're outside of Israel. In Israel, things shut down. People are more tolerant and understanding that the Sabbath is, is what it is. In the, in the nations, as we are, everybody wants to go about their business. They want to have their Friday night parties or football games or you know, work on Saturday to make more money, whatever. Because we're in Egypt or Babylon. Right, right. <laughs> A combination right. of both, right? And you have to be different right. than the, the going trend in order to keep the Sabbath, in order to set it aside, mm-hmm. to, be, to, to sanctify it and not do your normal work and to just go against the, the course of your society. And that actually brings us to the second part of this, uh, verse 4 of Exodus 31 says keep the Sabbath for it is holy to you and you just use the word the Hebrew word holy mm-hmm. okay um, it has a very different idea okay in Greek and Hebrew thinking but the, it's set apart mm-hmm. okay so um, this is what sets you apart okay it is and in fact the word is not even just holy it's holiness mm-hmm. um, and so it's the set apartness. This yes. is what makes you set apart, okay, from mm-hmm. everyone else. Mm-hmm. And as you said, historically, that has been true of the Jewish people. Yes, it has. Okay, you know, at, at, at great cost. Right. I, I, I mentioned in our Friday night Torah class too that the candles that haunt me um, in Schindler's List. Because, you know, the horrific scenes that we saw in that movie of Jewish people dying for the simple fact that they were Jewish, but those candles, though they symbolize that Sabbath, that symbolize that sign of who they are, that relationship with their God was more important than, than preserving their lives. And that, again, for those of us who live in cushy America, regardless of how crazy it's gotten in America these days, we have it made compared to most of the world. And to think that we can't just set aside time on the Sabbath to honor God, to do like we do and study the Torah on Friday evening, and then then refrain from our work. Now, I get it. I know that we're not set up and people have obligations and they have to work. I, I get that. I totally do. But if we can, this is what we're we're commanded to do. And if we have an obligation, we should try to work toward changing that, even if it means we have to work on Sunday instead of Saturday with our employer. If we can work that out, keep his Sabbath and set it aside. It's, um, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's actually what 
uh, the organization Chick Fil A and Hobby mm-hmm. Lobby have done. Yeah. Now I believe that they've got it on the wrong day. Correct. But they they went against the grain. The the uh, the common thinking was that if they did this and closed on this day, that that would hurt them. And everything I see is Chick Fil A is always like the number one fast food place ever. Yes, okay. Very true. And Hobby Lobby seems to be doing quite well too. Mm-hmm. Um, they that they were trying to honor their understanding of the Sabbath. Yes, now we're going to talk in just a little bit about how the Sabbath got switched to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay. But but there was that I think very in good faith effort yeah, to try I, I, to I, do that. I believe it was good faith. Yeah, effort, I think yes. it's a good faith effort and I uh, so I admire their effort. I admire that for them trying to do it. But it it, it is much easier. Like I said, when we've been in Israel on the Sabbath, that closing is it would be so much easier. Not working on the Sabbath would be so much easier than it is now. God knew that too, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't know. You're right, though. The Jewish people have, have done this even to the point of death. Yes. That's profound it is profound when you think about it you know it's profound and even to get to that place that would take some that would take a while okay (laughs) as a a christian coming in to understanding the hebraic roots i'm not saying that okay all of a sudden you know tomorrow you're going to understand that and take that on as your own you know to that degree but i think that's a direction that we are to go in with our faith that um even to the point of death. Okay. Yeah, and you know, we're talking about persecution and death, but I would like to say right here for our audience that until you have kept the Sabbath, you really don't, you won't experience or understand the joy and the peace and the blessing that's within that. Uh, it's it's supernatural. It really is because. Uh, so I don't want to make it all sound no, like boom and doom. Exactly. No, exactly. No, no, it's fantastic. It is, it's an incredible thing to it's do. It's an incredible thing. And I think every one of uh, the people that we know who has who's come to this understanding and tried to do it, every one of them mm-hmm. witnesses to that, that fact that they absolutely, something changes. It is a... A, an enormous blessing it to, is. To, to keep the Sabbath. It's an enormous blessing, and that's what it's intended to be. The Sabbath was made for man. Exactly. Okay? Um, you so, look forward to it. You work toward it. And then if you can learn and train yourself to turn off whatever it is you do for your your normal, uh, whether you work 40 hours or 60 mm-hmm. hours or whatever you work, whatever you earn your pay doing uh, as your career and voca- or vocation, if you can turn that off for that 24-hour period of the Sabbath, you'll realize how refreshed you can be, how what it does for you, how it lowers your stress, how it can change your attitude. It is for us. It's a gift for us because if we are left to our own drive and ambition, often we'll, we'll work 24-7 mm-hmm. And, and, you know, earn our money or do try to do a good job. A lot of us uh, have a tendency maybe to be workaholics. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is very special. We need it. This is our gift. We just have to receive it. That's all. We just have to receive it. Well, I, what I'd like to do is talk a little bit about the history of, uh, of uh, how the, the Sabbath got changed, okay, mm-hmm. uh, from what we know of Saturday to Sunday. Um, but let's do that after this little break. Good idea. Go 
and listen to the Something Burger podcast, the newest conservative show to hit the airwaves. Join political, cultural commentator and host Michaela Getz alongside producer Cha as they navigate the nuance of current events. At Something Burger podcast, Michaela brings you the compassionate conservative argument to America's most debated questions. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcast and follow us at Something Burger podcast on social media. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk a little bit about this, the history of the Sabbath. And, and, and it really addresses, in the beginning I said that there was a couple questions. The first question was, is the Sabbath for Christian believers, okay? And uh, we would certainly say yes and, and try to give some reasoning for that. But then the second question would be, uh, maybe it's two and one, when and how do we keep the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, a few things that were helpful to me that I learned along the way were that throughout history, there has always been a concept of a seven-day week, mm-hmm. okay? You can say it got started, uh, obviously, at the beginning in Genesis, you know, when God had worked six days, and it stuck. That idea stuck not just in Judaism, okay, but stuck around the world, Sure. Uh, that idea. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting is that uh, in, in most every case, including uh, in, in the Hebrew thinking, the the days of the week didn't have names. Mm. They were one, two, the first day, the second day, the third Toward day, the, the fourth day, and then it got you all the way to the Sabbath, which mm. was the only one that had a name. Right. Okay. Um, I know that sometimes people trying to get their head wrapped around this idea, I, I try to remind them, okay, so if Israel wasn't sure when the seventh day was, because a lot of people ask that, how do we know that this is the right day that mm-hmm. we're keeping? When is the seventh day? I would say, number one, okay, God affirmed it for 40 years in the desert. That's okay? right. So if for some reason they weren't really sure before there, there was 40 good years And all they have to do is count to seven Mm -hmm. after that, okay? Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. not that hard to do, okay? And remind our audience how he affirmed that. He did no manna on the seventh day, right? No manna, no manna, exactly. So so they didn't have to go out and do the work of picking up the manna, okay? So if for some reason they were like, God, we're not really sure, okay, 40 years, okay, every single week, every single seventh day, that happened. So... They could get it right from there. Plus, they had been given this responsibility of keeping it. Keeping this seven-day count is not a tricky thing to do. No, it I mean, be. They, these people back then, they built pyramids and they did all this <laughs> stuff. Counting to seven is not yeah. that hard, you know, right. and then repeating. Um, but then the other thing I'd like to say is that, you know, when Jesus was on earth, um, and he was, as we would call a Torah-observant Jew. That means he was, he was sinless. He was without sin because um, that's what sin was, is, is, is breaking the, the Torah. Okay, mm-hmm. So he honored the Sabbath. It tells us over and over again of how he was in the synagogues on the Sabbath, that's teaching right. on the Sabbath, gathering on the Sabbath, and so forth. So if Jesus would surely have known right if that was correct i would yeah imagine so yeah a pretty good link with with his father he would have known that and uh, he would not Mm -hmm. have honored that if it was the wrong day okay that would have been sin okay and he couldn't sin and do you think if he was going to abrogate the sabbath if he's going to do away with the sabbath that he had an opportunity to do it then 
But he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He kept it. He honored it. He went to the synagogue and read Torah and and did the things that uh, for you know generations had been doing exactly since the institution of and, and of course he said in Matthew five that I don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And you know what's interesting as you go forward on that. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Um, So there is that concept. And I don't think the Sabbath is one of the least of the commands. No, I don't believe it is. I think it's the sign is one of the greatest of the commands. You see it repeated throughout the scripture. The prophets speak about the Sabbath keepers being those who are the ones being obedient. Exactly. Um, So, you know, so, so here Jesus, Yeshua is saying, okay, even the least of these, if you're not keeping them, there's, there's at least a differentiation in heaven of some sort. Okay. (laughs) All right. And then as uh, I know that, you have said and I've said no one wakes up in the morning and says okay I'm going to work to be the least in the kingdom of heaven Exactly. (laughs) I don't think anybody's doing that and and the fact that we are teaching these things actually I hopefully when it says you know be the greatest uh, greater we're we're raising our standing I believe in the kingdom by teaching these things versus telling others to not to do it right exactly I I don't want to be in that category of, of, of telling people don't take keep the commandments of God. Oh, goodness. No. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I don't want to make that. I don't want to be the one arguing for that. So, you know, we need to look back a little bit in history without going through, you know, obviously hours and hours ago of going into this history of how the Sabbath uh, changed. But, you know, in the first couple centuries after Jesus, you know, uh, death, burial, and resurrection, okay, the, uh, the believers were mostly Jewish. Mm-hmm. And they were honoring the the seventh day Sabbath, and the new Gentiles that started to come in were also doing that. Sure, they okay. would meet on the same day with their with their fellow Jewish in believers. the in the synagogues. That's right. I mean, that's it. There was there was no church separate church for them to go to, Correct. so they were meeting on the day that was already established, had been set aside, was already established and honored by those Jewish people. That's right. So they were doing that. So. Um, so so they continued to do that. But then as more Gentiles started coming into the church, there started to be a lot more friction about that and, it, and eventually a breaking away, mm-hmm. which was the saddest thing that's ever happened. Yes, okay? it is. It's tragic, really. It's totally tragic and has caused so many problems. But this breaking away um, that was later... I guess codified by yeah. Emperor Constantine. Yes. Okay. So 321, uh, Emperor Constantine basically he makes Christianity the official religion of the whole Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he officially outlaws uh, that Sabbath keeping. Okay. So that these uh, new Christians were not allowed to keep that traditional Sabbath right. on threat of death. Right. You know, so if you're if you're a new Christian, and and we'll use that term, by mm-hmm. then they're talking about a, a, a Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're new to this faith 
and somebody tells you you can't keep this, the emperor and his cohorts tell you you can't keep a day, of course, you know, with no conviction that has been built in you, you're going to just be obedient. Uh, again, a fearing of death. Yes. And so you start worshiping on the day that the emperor says you've got to worship. Exactly, because you don't, you don't have that history and background right. and commitment mm-hmm. to it. You don't understand that. You were brought in just like you and I were without that understanding. Exactly. Okay, so yeah. exactly. So, um, so there's not a commitment and an understanding of why you would keep that Sabbath. So you would, you would give it up. And, and on top of that, you would certainly not teach your children mm-hmm. because you didn't want them going out and doing something and then, you know, incurring the emperor's wrath. That's right. Okay. Imagine how quickly that, that idea dies it doesn't take long. One generation. One generation. It's all it takes. One generation. You know, when, and again, you're talking about a society that was used to seeing sun worshipers. This was moved to the venerable day of the sun, S-U-N. So it was very natural to get people to to think that this was a special They'd already day. been doing, sure. they'd already been celebrating uh, their gods, you know, right. little G, okay, on that day. So right. how simple was that to sure. continue in that? And, and Emperor Constantine was smart in that way, okay? Yeah, well, he he wanted to unify the kingdom. And this this was a political move. I'm convinced of that. You look at the history, anybody can go and look it up. The Roman Empire had, you know, was suffering from a lot of different splits, and he wanted to unify. And the, and in fact, what he inherited in that at that point, the so-called church at that time was very splintered and split. There was the whole argument. The biggest argument that was going on was the idea of whether Jesus was divine or not, mm-hmm. and this was causing. I mean, people were were being uh, slaughtered over the arguments over these so-called faith. You know, faith arguments or religion arguments, and there were there are segments, different bishops who, who believed one thing versus the bishop over here who believed another, and these people would fight. And so Constantine had that to worry about too. He wanted to bring those the church together as well as unify the kingdom. He was trying to unify for power and and, and solidarity within the Roman Empire, and so he brings them together. And when they come to a consensus. Those who still did not believe the way he he and his bishops decided were cast aside. They were destroyed in their you know for for their beliefs, and he wrote. I there was a letter that he wrote to the bishops who did not attend the Council of Nicaea that you talked about. Mm-hmm. And said these words: "We will no longer have anything to do with this detestable Jewish crowd." Because you had Jewish people, Jewish believers, who were arguing for preserving the faith, mm-hmm. preserving the Sabbath, preserving the other elements of the faith. Whereas Constantine saw that, no, we've got this consensus. I'm not risking the unification of the kingdom for you Jewish people. And so he, uh, what I describe as that this point, the church, the, this form of church, Constantinian Christianity, was born in divorce of its Jewish root. Exactly. It, yeah. it, 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 that's how it started. Mm. Um, and then once again, in a generation, you don't realize that. You right. know, if it's not taught. You no, know, if just, it's happening in real time. Real time. They didn't it, see it. it. Exactly. They didn't see it. Because a lot of people do ask that. It's like, well, if that's the way it was, you know, 
Uh, did it take a long time for that to happen? No, it, it, it didn't take a long time at all. It happened right. very, very quickly. And then if you don't raise your child, your child doesn't know how to teach their child and vice, you know, on down the road. The down. And so all the way down, you, the Bible talks in, uh, about inheriting lies from our fathers. Jeremiah 16. Yes, yeah, you know, we've 19. inherited lies from our fathers. And it's not that the fathers were intent on lying. That mm. was not their intent. That's all they knew. That's all they knew. Mm. My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, one generation, that changes. Um, it's kind of like what we're dealing with here in the U.S. with our sure. American history, where we, we, I think we have an understanding that within a generation, we can lose uh, so much, and then what are the repercussions of that? It's quite destructive. It's qu- very destructive. As you, I'm glad you pivoted there for a moment because it is happening right before our eyes. Right. If you don't teach history, if you don't teach civics, you don't, people have no understanding of what our country was founded on, these very Judeo-Christian principles that we're speaking of. If you destroy that within a generation, if it's not for voices like our generation, mm-hmm. and, and, and thank God for some of the young people that uh, we know uh, who, who still realize this, uh, we could lose this within a generation, two at the most. Exactly. Uh, it, it's, it's heading that, it's so dangerous because the people who have the voice, the loudest voices, the media, and many seats in our government are speaking the loudest as far as uh, changing uh, all these values that we hold so dear. And they call them their values. Mm-hmm. You know, we're arguing against their so-called values, but they are certainly not biblical values no. that we're speaking of. And you talked about the, 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 the louder voices, the government and so forth, no different than Emperor Constantine exactly. and those bishops. It's, 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 the, no, same it's the same thing we're dealing yeah. with, you know, over and over. So we're we're fighting to keep those, that truth the Bible always talks about. We did, we did a segment on remember, remember. Yeah. Well, I think Satan really would like for us to forget. Totally forget. Totally yes. forget these things, okay? Yes. You know, you just disconnect us from this root and see us floating all around and right over the edge of the, you know, uh, the waterfall. is just like, right. we go right over. Well, what you and I are doing here right now is what I believe Jewish people were doing in 325. You know, believers. Maybe there were Gentiles with them yes. who had been you yes. know, serving for a while. Been yes, Gentiles who stuck. Who stu- but we're arguing. No, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. And yet their voices were were squashed. Exactly. And and this the powers that overtook them. You know, the the, the power of the of the, the throne. And the power of, of the Roman mm-hmm. army and the power of yes. all of, of them called the church, just completely overrode any voice of opposition. I wanted to share a few quotes with our our audience, um, just because these were kind of powerful for me to recognize that the Constantinian Church, as you would call it, um, mm-hmm. was very deliberate in doing this. Okay, yeah. um, I, I'm not blaming anybody's particular pastor or anything like that, but okay, back in 300, well, even in 364. Okay, so it's a few years after. Uh, the first council, they had this council of Laodicea, and it, it, they, there was a an official statement on the Sunday law, Christians shall not Judaize and be idle on Saturday, but shall work on that day. But the Lord's day they shall especially honor, as being Christians shall, if possible, do no work on that day. If, however, they are found Judaizing, 
they shall be shut out from Christ mm. and maybe killed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See, there's that word Judaizer. Um, you and I have heard that accusation. Yes. I, I know I have. I am. Judaizer because yes. you're trying to, why? Because we're trying to bring people back to the original context of our scripture, our instruction. Mm-hmm. If, if that is Judaizing, then guilty so is charged. So yeah. be it. Exactly. Yeah. Because God gave it to these Jewish people to right. maintain. So we're right. trying to go back. Um, the, there is uh, another one that I'd like to, to share from Cardinal Gibbons. And, and this is interesting, okay? We're talking about church leaders, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, within the Roman Catholic Church, um, in the book called Faith of Our Fathers, he said, you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday, a day which we, the Catholic Church, do not sanctify. That's right. They knew what they were doing. Very open about it. Very open it. Um, Another one, this was printed in 1893 in the Catholic Mirror. Um, The Catholic Church, by virtue of her divine mission, changed the day from Saturday to Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, leaving no doubt. Leaving no doubt. They say it. Now, the standard person sitting in the pew doesn't hear these statements. That's true. Okay? So, you know, we're That's not why once we're doing again. This, That's why we're doing it. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, then another claim, uh, this was 1923, the Catholic Re- Record of London. The Catholic Church claims that the church is above the Bible, and this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, the arrogance of that is just uh, astounding. Right. In other words, we'll change the day, everybody will follow along, and that's proof that we know what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> and indeed, uh, the, the, the Catholic Church has, uh, and people that have, have kind of bragged about that, that even yeah. when Martin Luther, okay, he was saying, okay, we got to go back to Scripture, mm-hmm. you know, Scripture mm-hmm. only, so to think. The Protestants never went back. They did not. They did not. Sadly. They took the, uh, they, they recognized the authority of the church mm-hmm. to make that change. Or maybe they didn't think about it. I, I don't know. The, the, the Catholic belief is that it is an admission by the Protestant Church of the Catholics, uh, you know, authority, authority in yeah. this. And uh, unfortunately, that, that there's no biblical, no godly authority here. This is a man-made change, and they are openly admitting that. Now, if, if uh, those want to uh, allow that, usurping of God's authority and and say the church has that right to do that, well, that's up to them. But I personally don't believe that we have that authority. I don't think so either. And even if we fast forward to today, you know, I I worshiped for years in the Southern Baptist, okay, Southern Baptist. If you go on their website, they say, the first day of the week is the Lord's Day. Mm. It commemorates the resurrection of Christ from the dead and should be employed for exercises of worship and spiritual devotion. So even the Baptists mm-hmm. recognize they're not they're not even claiming here that it is the Sabbath. Okay, right. they're saying it's the Lord's Day. The Lord's this is day. something different, yeah. and and this is the day that we're gathering. And I'm not, I would not ever say that there you can't worship God. On any, I mean, oh, any can, day you yeah, can, you can you worship, can him, any worship day. him any day, gather on any day, pray on any day, but that's not an honoring of the Sabbath. Correct. 
I mean, there, there's no argument there. You can worship God any day of the week. But then why is it that we get, and we have both heard this as well, you know, we get together, we can get together on any day of the week. We have that freedom. Then why not this prescribed right. day? <laughs> then why not the day that God set aside for us? But, uh, you know, you don't exactly. get an answer to you that. You would argue for every other day of the week. Okay, right. why not this one? Why not okay, this the one? one that God picked. Yes. It's so like human beings, okay? It is. Because we make ourselves out to be God no different than the Roman Catholic Church right. did at that you time. You can have any of the fruit of the trees except for this one. Right? Oh man! Isn't it the yes, same? Yes, it's the same. It's, it's the, the same. exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, people once they've made a decision that they uh, want to honor the Sabbath, mm. the question after that is you know, like, okay, so how do they, how do I go about doing this, right? right? And you know, we have to remember that Jesus said, my my yoke is light. Okay, my burden is light. Uh, what what has happened in like rabbinic Judaism is there has been a lot of stuff added to Sabbath keeping. Okay, and those are things that right off the bat you might see in a movie or something about not touching the elevator button right, and stuff right. like that, and and people are like, whoa, or the separate kitchens and all this kind of stuff for you know the dietary laws. There's a lot of stuff added, mm. um, and so, but when we go back to the word, there's just not a lot a direction it's just right. there's a few things the yoke is very very light yeah it is. even that is hard to handle for some of us <laughs> some people okay but even and so I, I would like to point out to the to the to our our audience it's like you know we can come to a few basic conclusions we should not work or make others work on the sabbath mm. we read that in exodus okay mm-hmm. the, the commandments okay don't right. make your cattle or your 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 slave your manservant your maidservant right Mm -hmm. there is one in exodus 35 about do not kindle a fire Mm -hmm. now that's the one that leads to the don't press the elevator button yeah (laughs) i guess because of the connection between electricity Electricity. and kindling the fire Uh, it's i think well if we really these are these are important to understand in their context yes you know, you're you're you can have that fire made for heat that's burning, you know, the day before, and you just keep it. You keep it. You burning don't have to run day. around looking for the firewood, firewood. and make doing the work. I think these are very practical instructions mm-hmm. on how to prepare. Yes. To be ready for the Sabbath, so that you're not having to do the things that you would normally do right. all week long. And, and generally, we're not normally kindling fires. Correct. Here, okay, yeah. but but that that bigger idea behind yeah. it, it had to apply specifically to the people back then that it was yeah. given to and they were kindling fires sure. okay so sure. uh, that's why god said okay i'll give you the manna you don't have to do anything on right. that day okay yeah. you pick up extra the day before you just eat right. it that day which is very common to make the food the day before so that someone's not struggling so and sure. b and sandy well, yeah. struggling and working on the sabbath <laughs> but and that was very and it's a very practically handled in in israel um as a, as a traveler there as a volunteer there the the morning breakfast always included normally scrambled eggs and all kinds of different things that you would eat well on the sabbath there were hard-boiled eggs that had been prepared the day before you know there were practical ways around this and then you said this food is just set out versus being uh, cooking there and turning on the oven and that might be that again you know our our equivalent to kindling a fire turning Turning on the oven right Um, Leviticus 23 says the Sabbath is a day of holy convocation. 
Um, so it's a time that we, Holy Convocation is, is gathering with like-minded believers, mm-hmm. sharing that time to get together. You know, that was one verse, Leviticus 23, we didn't really talk about, which is so important I because agree. that's the one. Yes, that now. yes, we actually should. Well, I mean, the fact that we do this on Friday night, mm-hmm. uh, we get together with the Torah study, mm-hmm. where even even during the pandemic, doing it through Zoom, uh, it's been beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's something very special about as the sun goes down, you know, t- stopping your normal work, stopping all the rushing around, and opening up the Word, and being with like believers, with like-hearted believers, and studying and having beautiful discussion about this. Right, and then think, and we do it as the sun goes down because that's in the a biblical day starts. Yes, in the evening. What, since you mentioned that, I, I just want to back up for a moment. This could be an argument against the Baptists. Okay. Sunday, Sunday being the day that that Jesus rose. If you and this again takes a little study, but I've done I've done the timeline. But if you look at three days and three nights in the grave, if Yeshua went in the grave before sundown, three days prior to his resurrection, his resurrection would have been before the Sabbath ended and the new first day of the week began because he would have had to, he would have, so he would have been risen, Lord of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And so this argument that he rose on the first day of the week would would not hold water if that timeline. Oh, we is have to correct. do a whole separate oh, I, on that. I, we could, we could, and we will, <laughs> because but, but he's the Lord of the Sabbath, and he and we could just keep it right there. Exactly. With, and the Sabbath is as we Lord worship. of the Sabbath. I yeah. think we need to go into okay. into that one at some point. Um, anyway, uh, there are verses that says we should not buy or sell on the Sabbath. Um, in Mark. Uh, and it talks about we should do good works on the Sabbath as we follow Jesus's example. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so we Jesus doing the healing on the Sabbath. There was the whole concept of the the disciples uh, picking the grains to eat yes. on the Sabbath, which was clearly totally different than a full out harvest it, on well, that exactly. day. Okay, these men needed to eat. And okay, the, that yes. was a whole different thing. And then pulling your your neighbor's animal out of a Ditch. That mm-hmm. goes back to this conversation I believe we've had before regarding this letter versus the spirit. Mm-hmm. The real meaning of letter versus the spirit is understanding why the commandments were there and understanding the weightier commandment to, to spare someone's life or to save someone's life or to save an animal uh, supersedes the idea of doing no physical Nothing, labor no res- on yes, the yes, Sabbath. Right, yes, exactly. Yeah. It's the weightier. The weightier, exactly, the weightier, weightier command. Um, and then in Acts 17, we see the Sabbath is a time for teaching, reading the word, uh, talking about spiritual principles, you know. Mm. Um, so those are the ways that we can focus. We rest, but we focus on on God on the and that day. It is as Leviticus 23 says, this is a Moedim. Mm-hmm. And the word is appointment. That's right. We have an appointment. A weekly appointment with God. A weekly appointment with God. How special is that? And how how for how many years have we missed that appointment? Yeah. Yeah, um, that's that's sad. We've we've missed it. I think this whole idea um was so beautifully captured. You and I have been watching that uh, series called The Chosen, mm-hmm. and I think it's an anointed series. And I'm, um, and I, 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 I was, 
the most poignant moment I think for me was in the very second episode, the Sabbath. Okay, because I'm mm-hmm. particularly uh, particularly partial. Okay, <laughs> um, to Sabbath keeping, but in that in that scene, Jesus shows up at Mary Magdalene's door at the be at sundown mm-hmm. and knocks. And she goes there, and she's surprised it's him, okay? He healed her, okay, mm-hmm. in an earlier episode. Yeah. And um, she's like, you know, and he's looking at her, and I, I love the face. It's like, are you going to invite me in? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think someone at the table says, wait, aren't you going to invite him in? And she's like, oh, oh yes, of course. Yes, yes, of course I'm going to invite him in. But isn't that the case for all of us? Are you going to invite me in? Yeah. Here we are. There we are, Friday evening. Jesus knocks at the door for this special Moedim, this appointment, and he's going, are you going to invite me in? Wow, that is so profound. That's such a beautiful example, yeah. Um, So I think that, I think that's where I'd kind of like to, if we leave it there, is even with that question, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Jesus is there. This is the appointment, you know, God's made this appointment with his people. We've discussed how we are his people grafted into that olive tree of Israel. He's given us this, this gift of these uh, of this Torah, right? Uh, these special uh, uh, privileged obligations that we have, mm-hmm. right? And he stands there on Friday night knocking. Are we going to let him in? All right, we'll let our audience think about that for a while. (laughs) Shalom. Shalom. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.